0: This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi. Sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford HealthCare, MD Advantage, and Yukon Health Orthopedic and Sports Medicine. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You are encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC, News Talk 1080, and WTIC.com.
1: Welcome to Healthy Rounds, the show that provides you with up-to-date medical information, and we answer all of your health questions. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be with you today on this Saturday. And I'm back from Haiti. I was in Haiti uh, this week after our show last week. I left on Sunday and made a quick trip down to visit with Father Rick Frechette and the physicians and staff at the St. Damien Hospital and St. Luke Hospital in Port-au-Prince. And it was an interesting trip. It was a quick trip because, as many people will know, there's been a lot of violence in Haiti, and it's been accelerated, and it's been difficult to get supplies down. So I was able to bring down some supplies for our CT scanner there and uh, for the staff uh, working there. It's interesting spending a lot of this time in Haiti because there's so much disruption. And the disruption has accelerated. The the amount of violence has accelerated. And that's because there's no infrastructure. It's a country that's plagued by opposition, right? There's there's a government um, that's in opposition with another group, and then there's an opposition group to the opposition group. And there's constant arguing and finding better ways and accusations going back and forth. Now, granted, it's an extreme situation, but it's much like what we have in the United States today. Because when people oppose each other and dig in their heels, you can't move forward. And that's been the case in Haiti. And I might say that's becoming the case here. The only solution to that is to start finding a way to resolve our differences. And what happens is we have people in the press, radio stations, newspapers, who exploit this opposition. Right? They, they love the opposition because they get more people to listen, more people to get on and vent. And radio plays an important part in Haiti. Actually, people call into the radio and will make accusations that the police actually go out and investigate. So radio is very important. We have a very important responsibility behind this microphone. And the people who are behind this microphone better start learning that it's time to find resolution instead of more opposition. And that goes across the board nationally and locally. When you turn on the radio these days, you're bound to hear somebody opposing somebody else and not opening a discussion, right? Lately, we're, everybody's fighting over tolls, yes tolls, no tolls. Well, there's got to be some benefit to toll, and there's got to be some detriment to toll. Let's try and figure it out instead of just digging in our heels and fighting and wasting time. And until we get there, we're going to have the same problems, and those problems apply to healthcare. Today, my guest in the studio is going to be Dr. Richard Shumway. Dr. Shumway is the director of the CyberKnife program at St. Francis Hospital. He's a senior attending there. We want to talk about the CyberKnife. This is a great piece of equipment that I didn't know very much about. And I'm just learning about. So we're all going to learn together. This day in medicine, February 8th, 1577, Robert Burton was born. Now, Robert Burton, this is interesting, in 1621, he wrote a book, The Anatomy of Melancholy. And it's described as one of the premier texts in psychiatry. He describes mental illness and the effects it has on other body systems, the brain, the heart and other organs. He also goes into how people deal with life differently. They deal with these very events, various events differently. And in doing so, some people become very anxious and he describes the symptoms of anxiety, that loss of sleep, that constant tension, headaches, things like that. We're fighting the same battle today. He wrote this book in 1621. And we're still trying to learn and find out more about anxiety, or as he termed it, melancholy. So again, we remember Robert Burton for his publication in 1621. He was born this day in 1577. You cannot open a newspaper or turn on the TV without hearing about the coronavirus. Now in China, 637 people are dead. Over 31,000 people with confirmed cases of this virus. 11 Americans have this virus. And it's a terrible problem, and people are trying to figure out how we get around it. First of all, you have to understand the symptoms are the same as the flu, right? Flu-like illness, headache, fever, malaise, generalized fatigue, same things you'd see with the flu. So that makes it difficult to make a specific diagnosis. But people are trying all of, so when I flew to Haiti, whenever you're on an airplane now, I don't know if it's just become in vogue to wear a mask, but a lot of people are wearing masks. Let's be honest, we know the masks don't help. Matter of fact, if you keep wearing the mask, it builds up humidity, and the virus, if it's there, will start growing. So masks are not really going to help you. What helps? The same things that help with the flu, because that's a bigger problem right now. In Connecticut, we have 1,366 flu-related hospitalizations, nine new deaths just this week in Connecticut, and one pediatric death. So a lot of times we're going to see this affecting the extremes of our population, the very old and the very young, but we haven't had a pediatric death all year. Total in Connecticut now we have 32 deaths. How do we avoid this? Wash hands. 20 seconds of washing hands with soap and warm water is number one. Avoid contact with other people. If you need to sneeze or cough, sneeze or cough into your elbow. Using hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, if you don't have soap and water available, use the hand sanitizer. If you have both, use both try to limit contact okay shaking hands hugging kissing just stop it's not helping anybody and people should not be affronted or feel uh, left out if people don't want to hug and kiss them a lot of people make a big deal about the airplane filtration system possibly breeding these germs that's not been the case no one has ever been able to prove that so with that we need to get back to basic sanitation in terms of avoiding the flu virus. And at the same time, we will avoid other viruses like the coronavirus. We'll be following this story because it's, it's a tremendous story and really speaks a lot to globalization and global medicine. Also in the news, U.S. Senator Chris Murphy, yesterday he held a symposium on medical debt. And it's interesting because he looked at it from the standpoint of patients that are taking on extreme amounts of debt, even with insurance, to get proper care for severe illnesses. And and it makes the argument for a universal health system. Now, everybody's running around Medicare for all or whatever. We, We need a basic health system in this country that avoids this patient debt. At the same time. We have provider debt, right? Physicians finish medical school with an average of $200,000 of debt. So we're dealing with debt on the part of patients and on the part of physicians. So where do we get a win-win? We start asking people to do things differently. So maybe it's time physicians got tuition paid in in exchange for spending time volunteering or working for a low wage for several years in order to provide care for other people so they don't go into debt. I mean, it's a win-win, right? You get rid of your debt. We get rid of the patient debt. We're going to provide care. We're going to provide care cheaply from the standpoint of personnel, and we're going to take care of the tuition with all the money we're saving. It makes too much sense to not do But our problem now is that many Americans are avoiding going to a primary care physician every year. So things are being missed. Bad things are being missed. Diabetes is being missed. Heart disease being missed. And the only time it's caught is when they show up in an emergency room in an extreme situation, which costs us all more money. The other problem these folks are having is they can't afford their medication. Things are basic, like insulin. They can't afford it. They're not they're skipping days. We can't have that. And we've got to get control of this. So whether it's Chris Murphy, I don't care what part. I, this should not be a party deal. This should not be a partisan deal by any means. Every American knows the system isn't working and needs to be fixed. We could discuss how to fix it. But let's not sit around and wait for somebody to say, well, they want to take credit for it. I don't really care who takes credit for it. Get it fixed. Every American agrees. And there are very few things that every American agrees on. But in this case, we can all agree that this system is broken and needs to get fixed so we can give better care. With that, we're going to take a short break. Then we're going to be back with my guest, Dr. Richard Shumway from St. Francis Hospital. We're talking about radiation therapy and the Cyber Knife. You're listening to Healthy Rounds and WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi. The telephone number here 860 522 9842 and 1 800 966 9842. Also, if you have questions, you can email me during the week at info at alesimd.com. My guest today is Dr. Richard Shumway. Uh, Dr. Shumway is the director of CyberKnife. He's a senior attending in radiation oncology at St. Francis, uh, and we're talking about some innovative approaches at St. Francis Hospital now for cancer. He's been a guest here before, and we had him on to talk about uh, lung cancer in the past. Rich, welcome back to the show.
2: Thanks. Great to be here again.
1: Um, just to bring everybody up to speed, let's go over your background, kind of your training and and how you kinda of got to where you are.
2: Well, I uh, trained as a radiation oncologist, so we typically I use radiation to treat cancer, although um, with things like the CyberKnife, we have expanded to treat other conditions as well as cancer. But um, in my career, I've seen huge changes just with the technology and computerization of our treatments, and so I, I don't think I do anything I don't treat anything now uh, in the same way that I did when I uh, originally did my specialty training so things have evolved so so much since over the years. So
1: let's talk about the radiation oncology.
2: When, when did that start developing as a specialty? Yeah. So back in probably go back to the 1970s um any you know it it evolved out of diagnostic radiology so if, you know radiologists that read x-rays and then some of them started to branch off into using radiation to treat cancer. Uh, and back, that's back, back when you had cobalt machines. I, I was
1: just going to mention that.
2: Yeah. Um, but then since the 1980s, then we have machines called linear accelerators that are used to treat radiation. And just over the decades, uh, we've uh, technology has improved. So we're able to treat so many more types of cancers with much better success rate, much less in the way of side effects as compared to what we used to see in the old cobalt era
1: and i kind of remember the old cobalt ears compared to now it was almost brutal i mean there were severe burns um but it was effective
2: um oh absolutely because when i first started uh, training we had still had a cobalt unit and um yeah like you say the the burns that you used to see was uh, quite impressive and i think that um That reputation has carried on to today. So sometimes I'll see patients and I talk to them about doing radiation treatments and they're all worried about the radiation burns, which generally is a thing of the past for the most part now.
1: How did somebody decide that radiation was a treatment for cancer? How did they get to that? In other words, I I realize it came out of x-ray, but how did somebody think of, you know, maybe we should use radiation to treat them.
2: I think that goes back to even Marie Curie days back yeah. in, you know, in 1930s and 40s. And, and there was a lot of, I guess you want to call it experimentation on on people. And, and in the early days, I think it was trial and error. But um, since the 1970s, there have been so many you know, clinical trials, to, you know, testing uh, what the best way is to use radiation for different cancers. And so it really has, over the past several decades, uh, evolved due to these clinical trials that we've run.
1: How effective is radiation treatment in the treatment of cancer? And, and and I know it varies with the types of cancer. So where would you say it's the most effective? And I'm talking about radiation in general, not necessarily just the cyber knife, but...
2: I I think it really depends. So some cancers we will treat just with radiation by itself. So for instance, let's say an early stage prostate cancer and there, we have probably success rates of 90 to 95%. Um, Sometimes we'll use radiation, let's say after they've removed a cancer and to treat just in case there's some microscopic cells left behind. And so for an example for breast cancer, um, they'll remove the cancer and then we add radiation afterward. And so again, very high success rates. So,
1: How do you define success? So in, in treatment of, say, an early prostate cancer with radiation therapy, you say 90 to 95 percent. Does that mean no recurrence or no recurrence for five years? What What is typically a success in radiation?
2: Well, that's a good question. And it really depends on the cancer. So some cancers are more aggressive and so you know, if they're destined to recur, they'll come back within the next two, three, four years. Prostate cancer, however, we have to follow them for 10 years or longer. And so for instance, with prostate cancer, we'll use PSA, which is a blood test, which is produced by either the prostate or prostate cancer. And so that is a very sensitive way to to follow the cancer. Um, But by success, I'm essentially, I I don't like to use the word cure necessarily, but for all intents and purposes, it's uh, we're trying to cure patients. but you do have to, many cancers. You do have to follow them for many, many years just to make sure.
1: Okay, uh, and and I understand that follow-up. But I mean, if, if you can get ten years with no recurrence, I guess that's a success in anybody's book.
2: Yeah, typically, if a cancer hasn't recurred by even five years, odds are it's not going to recur. So.
1: Uh, how do you get around that connotation that you already mentioned of radiation being something bad or painful or? Or things such as that, uh, because I, I think it still does have that uh, idea that you can be harmed by it.
2: Well, n- nothing in medicine is without any risks or side effects. Absolutely. So, uh, what I do try to explain to people because it, the, the side effects and the risks really depend how much radiation we use, where, what part of the body are we treating, how big of an area, and so I do when I when I see someone to talk to them about treating with radiation, I. Generally, do try to uh, go over the worst case scenario, so they can only be pleasantly surprised. So chemotherapy also has a bad reputation, but uh, which which is drugs that go in the intravenous, typically. And, and and I have a lot of patients that are wary about even considering it. But you know, the, things have evolved so much with the better medication to handle those side effects that we typically don't see horrible reactions to chemotherapy either these days. Uh,
1: and and also nobody's without a team, and and I know that. It, you have specific technologists who are involved in radiation treatment as well, correct?
2: Yes. So my specialty is somewhat unique in that it is a total team effort. And so we have radiation therapy technologists that run the machines. We have nursing staff and we have what's called medical physicists that do much of the calculations and and planning. Um, And it, it is a total team effort. And it's not just the machines that treat the patients, but it's also the dedicated compassionate staff that makes a huge difference.
1: Um, that's great. It's great to hear. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back with my guest, Dr. Richard Shumway. And we're talking about radiation therapy, and we're going to get into talking about some new technology at St. Francis Hospital. It's the only hospital with this technology called the Cyber Knife, and how you can be used to treat not just cancer, but other problems with the brain. So, We're going to get into that, and we're going to take any questions you have at 860-522-9842 and 1-800-966-9842. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi. And my guest today is Dr. Richard Shumway. Dr. Shumway is the director of CyberKnife at St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center. And uh, by way of information, if you are interested in the CyberKnife or radiation treatment, the phone number is 860-714-4764. You could also go to stfranciscare.org forward slash CyberKnife. Rich? What is a CyberKnife?
2: So the CyberKnife, even though it has the word knife in it, there's no cuts or incisions, a very intimidating name. But what it is, it's a specialized robot radiation machine that can deliver very intense shots of radiation with surgical precision anywhere in the body. And so we're able to do treatments in just one or as many as five treatments.
1: So I remember kind of older days when we had the Gamma Knife. Uh, I guess that was kind of what the '90s or early '90s. Uh, there were things called the Gamma Knife.
2: Yeah, the Gamma Knife is still around, and that's the act. It's the original machine that performs a procedure called stereotactic radiosurgery, which is where you give a very intense, focused shot of radiation, just one treatment. And so the Gamma Knife um, can do the one shot of radiation, but it's strictly limited to the brain. And uh, one. Problem with this, with the, with the, excuse me, with the gamma knife is that uh, in order to get the precision, uh, uh, what's called a head frame or uh, like a cage needs to be screwed onto the patient's skull, and then that is then uh, attached to the table of the gamma knife, and that's how it gets its accuracy. The nice thing about the cyber knife, which we have, is that it can use what's called image guidance, so it's constantly taking X-ray pictures while the patient's lying on the table, and so for in the brain. It will. Uh, the computer can analyze the little nooks and crannies of the skull, and so if the patient moves even a millimeter or two, the robot will follow it. So we can treat patients without putting them through that cage or, or head frame.
1: And what is it? What is it shooting at them uh, in terms of radiation? We, we talked about cobalt or whatever. It it is it just nuclear beams or.
2: Well, it's a miniaturized linear accelerator, which is on a robot arm, and so it's a very high energy, very focused radiation. So the beams that we use range from size from as little as uh, four or five millimeters, uh, which is about maybe a quarter of an inch, um, to as many as maybe an inch inch and a half. And so with the CyberKnife, it will uh, move around the patient shooting hundreds of beams from all different directions, and they all converge and focus just on the tumor inside the patient.
1: I guess, first of all, this is amazing to me even uh, to understand this. I didn't realize that it could treat a moving tumor. So I would think that when you're treating lung cancer and someone's breathing, um, this helps you get rid of a huge obstacle.
2: Yes. And so that's been one of the huge advantages that we've had with the CyberKnife. And so... For early stage lung cancer, surgery is a treatment of choice. But for many patients, because of other medical issues, they can't go through an operation. And so historically, we would use our regular radiation machines. But like you say, it's a moving target. And so they would have to uh, treat a much larger area to account for that. Now with the CyberKnife, it has technology in it that it can literally, the robot will track and move and follow the tumor as you're breathing. And so because of that, we can treat a much smaller area with much less damage to the surrounding lung.
1: St. Francis is the only hospital with a cyber knife in in Connecticut. And I I understand when I looked this up, there's only about four or five in all of New England. Um, It's got to be costly. I mean, in terms of the investment St. Francis had to make to get this. What would you speculate? I mean, how much does something like this cost?
2: It's several million dollars, um, and we, when we opened our first CyberKnife back in 2006, it was a huge commitment on the part of St. Francis as well as our entire team and the, and the uh, other f- surgical specialists that participate in the program. Um, and so now we've, uh, we're going to be uh, starting, we just replaced our CyberKnife with the newest generation CyberKnife, which will be treated as first patient on Tuesday. And so again, it takes another commitment of several million dollars, but um, it it really has benefited thousands of patients over the years.
1: And I want to let people know that it's not like St. Francis just decided to charge more so they could pay for this thing. This is a community effort, and actually, uh, a lot of the funds donated were donated by Mrs. Nancy O'Connell. So again, this is a perfect example of how a community comes together to bring. Better technology to our area, and and that has to be recognized. Um, but we're going to take some questions here. Let's. Uh, we have uh, Mark on the line from Southington. Mark, you have a question for the doctor.
3: Uh, yes, sir. Good. Good morning, uh, gentlemen. Um, I had a quick question. Uh, I've recently been diagnosed with bladder cancer, and had a tumor 2.5 centimeters removed uh, via TURBT. And the doctor seemed to, after he did it, he came to the bedside, and he seemed to suggest that he got the entire tumor and everything. I won't say everything was fine, but I felt quite comfortable after talking to him. I had a subsequent uh, CT scan, and he called me within a few days, and the doctor said he sees a thickening of uh, the tissue on the back of the bladder, and therefore he wants to go in and do another TURVT, uh, and take a deeper biopsy, um, and, then, and then he used the words chemotherapy. Um, what made me a bit uncomfortable was it sounded as if, when he was speaking, he was almost thinking out loud and saying things like uh, prostate cancer, uh, this, that, and the other thing. And I, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of confidence in what he was saying, despite the fact that he did a wonderful job with surgery, from what I what I can tell. So my question is. Uh, I think he is going to want me to have chemotherapy, which I don't really want to have. And I'm wondering uh, if if you could elaborate on that type of cancer and how the CyberKnife might be applicable. Also, I have a consult with him after I have an MRI in about two weeks to confirm the CT scan. And I'd like to be able to talk intelligently to the doctor. Unfortunately, this particular doctor seems a little bit put off when I try and speak. Technically, and try and understand what's happening. I don't know what that's all about, but that's my dilemma. Sorry for the long question, but not,
2: that's not right a problem. Now. It's a great question, uh, Rich. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sorry about uh, hearing about your diagnosis, but and just for for the listeners out there, what he uh, had the TURBT is where the urologist will go up inside the bladder and scrape the tumor out. And so for early bladder cancer, that's the treatment of choice sometimes it can come back after that and then um and and i'm not sure what they're talking about but sometimes for again a a very superficial or uh, uh, a very small bladder cancer they will actually uh, instill some chemotherapy into the bladder temporarily Um, i'm not sure if that's what they're talking about if it's a more aggressive bladder cancer then sometimes they will give chemotherapy in the intravenous But if it's a more advanced bladder cancer then surgery is definitely the treatment of choice. I would not recommend the CyberKnife for something like that because with the intense focused doses of radiation that we use, we destroy and obliterate whatever we target. And so if we are targeting the wall of the bladder, the concern is that we could actually punch a hole in the bladder. So we do not treat bladder cancer with the CyberKnife
1: and and mark okay. as far as the communication with your physician goes i i think you need to bring that up and and let him or her know that there's this obstacle and i would bring someone else to the visit because sometimes more ears are better than just yours um but if you feel like the technical jargon is is creating an obstacle um i think it would be fair to mention it to them but,
3: i i agree i agree with you that that would be the professional thing to do from both sides but i'm just given that i would be the one possibly having more surgery i don't want to get on anyone's bad side i you know and I'm, again i'm not saying the doctor's not professional and that and i could be imagining the whole thing i don't think as well. you'd get
1: on i don't think you'd get on their bad side and and okay. it sometimes it's a trap we sometimes fall into because we're used to talking technically to each other but anyhow we wish you the best of luck with that mark okay. yes good thanks luck. for calling Uh, Next, we have uh, Jack from South Windsor. Jack, you had a question about a kidney tumor. Jack, you there?
4: Yes, I am. Thank you. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, I was uh, recently diagnosed with uh, a kidney tumor on my right kidney, um, about 3.8 centimeters. And um, so I'm looking at, you know, my options: uh, surgery, no surgery. It's a level one or t- uh, stage one uh, type cancer. Um, so I don't know the name of the carcinoma, melanoma, but whatever it is. But um, but he said it, it, if you get one, this is the least aggressive type form of cancer. So I'm just trying to evaluate uh, what my options are in terms of you know different types of surgeries. Uh, You know, I mean, obviously you could wait and do nothing, but that's probably not going to be my option. But um, so I'm just, you know, at a stage right now where I'm just trying to figure out what's what's the best way to go.
1: What do you think, Rich? Something about kidney cancer.
2: Yeah, so the most common type of kidney cancer is what's called renal cell carcinoma. And so uh, for something that size, surgery is, again, the treatment of choice. And if it truly is stage one, the cure rates should actually be pretty good. Uh, sometimes they will do uh, remove only half the kidney depending where it is in the kidney Um, we have treated a few kidney cancers with the cyber knife but those are only in people who have such horrible medical conditions that they could not go through surgery so I would definitely recommend you know surgery if if your surgeon uh, is recommending it also
4: Jack. yeah it, the kidney is in, i mean the the cancer is in the front of the kidney he said it's right in the he says it's the best spot to operate on I don't have to go you know so he said that's the good thing it's 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 very easy accessible uh and they're gonna have to take a partial they don't have to take the kidney yeah yeah so uh, but I'm just you know I'm hearing all these different types of surgeries and you know uh you know whether it's through radiation or or are having it frozen, yep. Uh, you know, so I'm just, you know, at a stage where I'm saying, you know, what is my best option? Uh, the one that's going to be the least, you know. All right. <laughs> and, you, know, I had, you know, thinking about what what happens, you know, um, you know, post, um yep. You know, and how, what what are my options?
1: Sounds like you're seeing a good doctor, so I would continue in that line, Jack. Good, okay. Best of luck with this. Good luck. We're going to take a short break. Then we're going to be back with my guest, Dr. Richard Shumway. We're talking about the cyber knife. And we're going to talk about the cyber knife and treating brain tumors. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessio. We're in the last segment here with Dr. Richard Shumway, and we're talking about the cyber knife. Which is a technology only available at St. Francis Hospital, and just a great technology, uh, Rich. So we we've, we've been talking about the CyberKnife. Um, prostate cancer is something you've mentioned, and with the CyberKnife, is it? What is your cure rate, your success rate? I should say with the CyberKnife in treating prostate cancer.
2: So the success rate of treating prostate cancer directly depends on um, how it what the aggressiveness of it is. And then we also uh, measure a blood test called PSA. So it depends how high that PSA is. But for the early or what we call intermediate stage prostate cancers, which has not spread, uh, with the CyberKnife for the early stage, we're looking at probably 95% cure rates. For the what's called intermediate stage, with a little bit more aggressive type, we're probably looking at about 87% cure rate. So, um, And the nice thing about the CyberKnife for prostate cancer um, we can treat a prostate cancer in five simple treatments, uh, 20 minutes of treatment, just lie on the table over a couple of weeks instead of putting somebody through nine weeks of daily radiation, which is this sort of the standard radiation approach.
1: Let's talk about the brain because, I mean, that's what we have seen a lot of treatment with the gamma knife previously and with the cyber knife. And one of the things, with even veering off from cancer, is trigeminal neuralgia, tic de la rue. Often described in, in history as the most painful condition that exists. Um, and it is a severe, sharp, burning pain in the face that is unrelenting. How is that changed? How has the cyber knife really changed that treatment? I know from my standpoint, as a neurologist, we refer people for um, the cyber knife, but maybe you could explain how that works and what the success rate has been in treating it with the cyber knife.
2: Yeah, so like you say, trigeminal neuralgia is a condition where the nerve that supplies the sensation to one side of the face just starts to go haywire for some reason, and it just sends out these horrible pain signals, and usually medication will be the first treatment, um, and oftentimes that works, but sometimes it stops working or they just can't tolerate the side effects, and so that's where you go to start looking for other options. And so the gamma knife, again, was the original machine that did this, but we also treat many trigeminal neuralgia patients with the CyberKnife. And with the CyberKnife, they just have one single treatment and we give an intense dose of radiation just at the little tiny nerve. Treatment takes maybe 20 or 30 minutes. And our success rate is probably 80, 85% of patients within a month after treatment, the pain is either totally gone or uh, or controlled with tolerable doses of medication. You know, I, I mainly treat cancer for a living, and I've seen many, many uh, people over the years with horrible pain from their cancer. With the trigeminal neuralgia, I have been very impressed with how this disease impacts people's lives. I mean, it just destroys their lives, because no matter what they do, they have horrible pain. And so it's very gratifying to see somebody, after we've treated them, they can get their life back.
1: One treatment, or is a series of treatments for trigeminal neuralgia?
2: One treatment, 20, 30 minutes.
1: I have to tell you, that that could be described in some areas as as miraculous. How about brain tumors? We've got a couple of minutes. (laughs) Imagine devoting a couple of minutes to brain tumors. But is that a big part of your work?
2: So uh, probably the the largest uh, number of patients that we treated have actually been in the brain, but those are usually cancers which have spread to the brain called brain metastases. In the past, we would have treated the entire brain with our regular radiation over several weeks, and the success rate at, at making them go away is at best 50-50. Now, as long as there's maybe five or six spots or less, we can treat those with with the uh, CyberKnife in just one, two, or three treatments, and success rate of making those go away is probably on the order of 90%. So night and day in terms of success rate, much less in the way of side effects. Uh, so, so that has been a game changer with the CyberKnife
1: let's talk about the future. What's next? What's next after the cyber knife? I know you have a newer cyber knife now that's just been um, installed. Um, where are we going with this in radiation oncology maybe in general?
2: I think the next um, advance that I see down the horizon is in a condition called oligometastases where a cancer has spread but just maybe one or two spots. In the past, we say, well, the, game, you know, the, the cat's out of the bag and you, know, you know, the, the game is over. But now there's more and more studies showing that if we are aggressive at targeting those one or two metastases with like an intense focused radiation like the CyberKnife, since we have much better chemotherapy and immunotherapy out there these days, that we are seeing much, much better success rate and we have patients living years and years and years now with that type of an aggressive approach.
1: Richard, I want, to, I want to thank you, actually, for spending time here. But really bringing this new technology at St. Francis Hospital, uh, because I think really what you've emphasized is that the treatment of cancer is not just one treatment. I mean, it really takes a team of people um, to put together. I mean, not just radiation oncologists, um, radiologists. And then you have neurosurgeons I know you work with, um of, all types of surgeons and technicians. And I I think that people sometimes have this simplified view of cancer, like we're going to have one treatment that's going to cure all cancers. Um, But it, it appears that the cyber knife is the future, and it's been great having a glimpse into that
2: it's been a huge advance particularly since I've been in the field and and it's very gratifying to see so many more patients are benefiting from this technology
1: and if people are interested in the cyber knife the phone number is 860 714 4764 many thanks to our studio producer joe costa joe costa's been on the board for me today jeff chandler's in charge of sales and marketing for healthy rounds if you missed any part of today's program And you want to hear more from Dr. Shumway, just go to the Healthy Rounds podcast. You can download it free on iTunes. Next up on WTIC is going to be Garden Talk with Len. Please remember to help save lives. You can do that today by becoming an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to registerme.org. Until next week, please stay healthy.
0: This has been Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi. Sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and Yukon Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Be sure to tune in next Saturday morning at 11 for more healthy rounds on WTIC, News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com.